0: Welcome to Bear Insider, Ultimate Insider Podcast. I am Mike Pulaski, Cal Hall of Fame quarterback, radio analyst, 11-year pro, and I am geeked. It is game week. It is time to get it on. And if you haven't been missing college football with fans in the stands, well, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast, but I know we all have. It is time for this year for college football to kick back off in the way that we know it and love it. I have been promising you for a while going to bring you the Cal preview. Today, it's going to happen. I am not going to waste your time on the intro. Just understand it's all Mick all the time today on Ultimate Insider. Today, we have two Ultimate Insiders. And so my partner in crime, our sideline reporter, a guy who knows everything about Cal sports, like when I have to go for information on Cal sports, this is who I go to, Todd McKim. And we also have editor and senior writer from Bear Insider, Jim McGill here today. We're going to break down the Bears as we promised we would be doing. We go fully in depth, going to keep it tight, going to have some arguments, going to talk football and predict what Cal's going to be doing this year. Guys, welcome uh, to the Ultimate Insider. Great to be here. Thanks. Good to see you, Mike. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Todd, right? We've been calling games for a long time together. Tell me, in terms of Bear teams of the past, where do you think this team stands? Obviously, we haven't seen them play yet. But in terms of depth and talent and everything coming in, where do you think this team stands?
1: Well, I think the depth is uh, kind of the the early Tedford years. He had great great success uh, because he had a lot of depth. Um, Size-wise, I mean, this is like one of the bigger teams I've seen, particularly with the younger players on the roster. I mean, the last two years, they have really beefed up this roster. Uh, In the offensive lines, defensive lines, you know, Even in the secondary, you look at some of the bigger corners they've been able to recruit as well. Uh, and then the one position that they have now in depth and in size that they haven't had for quite some time would be tight end. Uh, eight tight ends, I believe, on the roster. And um, a number of those guys are pretty good size, that, the biggest of which is one of the young guys, one of the young pups, and that's Jermaine Terry at 6'4", at 6'5", six, six, somewhere in there. And and Justin Wilcox says he's probably a little bit north of 265. He certainly looks north of 265. He's a big dude. I mean, can, he looks like you an offensive line. that
0: size as a, a college freshman, right? A high school senior coming out. They listed him as 270. But think about it as a high school senior coming out, being that size, but moving that fluidly. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, he's the type of athlete, you say, won the genetic lottery. Okay.
1: I mean, he's ready. He's ready made physically. And I he just has to adapt to the college game. And then uh, like Latu, you know he's he's six six and change as well, uh, at about two ten, maybe two twelve, somewhere in there, it, and he'll be. So the size of these guys, I think, is probably the most noticeable thing. And I think you have to go back to the early Tedford years for for that kind of size. I mean, Sonny Dykes' teams were relatively short and and didn't weigh a lot. So that was kind of like, what you're looking for in football players, well, right? It was a lot like my high school team. Our motto was, "We may not be big." but we're slow. Yes. And, and as a result, we didn't win a lot of games. Um, but but this team is big and I think it's got great potential. I think the key you know, is going to be the play of the offense. It's got to be better than it's been the last couple of years. It just has to be. I think it will be because I think the defense will still be rock solid.
0: Yeah, that's been the restricting factor the last couple of years is, is offensive play, right? Defense carried them through a lot of games, but offensive play. When the offense showed up, Cal was a pretty good football team, but when they didn't, it was trouble. Jim, talk to me. I mean, you've seen Cal teams for a, a while now. You've been writing about Cal for a long time now. What do you think of this Cal team just on a broad spectrum?
2: Well, I go back to following Cal since around 72 and writing for Baron Cider since 03. So I've definitely seen a lot of teams. It's a unique team. I do like the depth a lot. It's interesting that the depth tends to include a lot of young bodies, but as opposed to young bodies in the past being undersized, needing to be built up. These guys are coming in college ready already. Just some really big guys, especially the defensive line, man, they're, they're really stacking up a lot of super talented, big bodies on the line that, that don't need to get stronger. That if at least a couple of them pop and are able to contribute early on, they could provide some really nice depth where there's very little drop off and maybe a little bit more athleticism than, than we've seen in the starters the uh, offensive line was looking like it was going to be really deep in the off season, but three of the potential top 10 are gone now. And in the past, when you lose a guy like, like Cefel, the starting center, the, the, the quarterback of the offensive line, that could have been a real problem and, and ditto with losing Brett Johnson on the defensive line, those two things could have derailed a season before it even started in the past. But I think that there's really seven viable offensive linemen right now, that uh, that can rotate in and really not see much drop off beyond that it'll it'll be a, an interesting experiment to see how some of those younger guys that are a little more inexperienced do i like the depth at all the other positions except inside linebacker it's a little bit of a question mark there. Tattersall and ISF are, are, inexperienced. ISF has showed a lot as a true freshman. Tattersall has always been a guy that they talk highly about really athletic. He was the fastest guy in one of the camps that he was in. And you don't see that out of linebackers very often. Um, all the other position groups. I, I really do like the depth quarterback would be another one. I guess I would throw in there. Um, you have some experience with transfer Ryan Glover came from Penn and um, he's a guy that I think if they have to put him in, they'd, they'd, rely on his legs and maybe have him be more of a game manager role is anybody
0: else shocked that that at the end of camp he missed early camp that he ends up as the number two spot
2: shocked yeah i guess there's a a reason for it but i'm surprised because we didn't see much evidence of what he could do he did start really late but he's a guy that's played a lot so um as long as he knows the playbook maybe it doesn't have to be that that big a deal but they obviously brought him in as a guy that is not going to be staring into the headlights. If he gets on the field, he's a guy that's, that's seen action for, for four years and he'll be ready to go. But I am a little surprised he, he passed Zach Johnson. Zach had a really good spring and he actually impressed a lot in the fall. He was able to, to pass a couple of quarterbacks, Brash and, and Casey who ended up transferring out because I saw the writing on the wall. So I, I do think if they have to dip into the third level, that, that Johnson is a guy that could provide some talent and not be a disastrous drop-off like Monster was when Garbers got hurt in his first starting year. So those would be the areas I would say lack the depth a little bit. But overall, I, I really do like the, the depth of the overall roster because in the past, there's been a lot of dead weight, maybe the, the bottom 25% of the roster. I don't see a lot of dead weight in this program. Wilcox is really good about cycling through guys, letting them know, hey, maybe this isn't the right situation for you. What do you think? Maybe maybe another change of scenery would be good for you. Um, so it, it's deep and, and talented as far as I can see. So I'm expecting big things this season.
0: Yeah, depth is a huge thing. It's one word that you almost never hear associated with Cal football. I, yeah. I mean, depth and Cal football are not synonymous, right? You're always winning, but you're right. You know, if you're winning, you're winning with the guys that you came with and that you have young guys, maybe smaller guys. I remember I talked to Troy Ozino all the time, who's my left tackle, and he was a starting Pack ten tackle at two hundred and thirty eight pounds at left tackle, like <laughs> oh, crazy. zero depth on that team that I came into. That you want to talk about small? That is small, and and uh, reminds me of that. What was it? The replacements where the Irish kicker came comes in and he's wiry, you know. Azin had to be wiry on the outside, and so it, it, just no depth. But now this year, this team has depth, which is pretty impressive. Let's start talking on defense, right? Justin Wilcox, defensive staff. They've been a defensive team for the last several years since he came in. And that has been what's gotten them where they're going. I think you talked about the biggest loss. For me, the biggest loss for this team is Brett Johnson. That dude was a man-child inside from the time that he started. A former wrestler, a guy that could – he just found leverage. And he would make arm tackles. He would make tackles that he shouldn't have made. Guys should have been breaking. Plus, he was so good at absorbing blockers up front. And the defensive line, that's your job. You have to block the blockers, right? Take the big guys out so your linebackers can make play. And especially – and Justin Wilcox's defense, which is so linebacker oriented. So Brett Johnson is the biggest loss there. But up front, I think getting Luke Beckett back is a huge, huge key for this defensive line. He's going to be a seven-year guy. So he's a super-duper senior. And he goes in and, and he transferred to Boston College so he could play because at the time, the Pac- Pac-12 wasn't playing football. And so he transferred to Boston College so he can get a senior year in. And then he gets that year back from Kobe, comes back to Cal because he is a golden bear all the way through and through. I actually stayed in contact with him while he was at Austin College because he's such a good dude. But he's such a huge asset because he's got all that experience. You, know, you think about those Utah schools where they get those guys that go on their Mormon mission. They come back and they play older guys, more experience. I think he adds that to that defensive line, especially when you have young cats coming in and Johnson, McKenzie. You know, some of those young guys who are going to have to have some leadership there. I think Beckett makes that defensive line a lot better. Todd, tell me about the defensive line. And I'll let you take linebackers.
1: You want me to talk about the defensive line? Yeah, some start more, on the defensive okay. line. Kind of your yeah, thoughts you when know, I
0: finished off and then hit linebackers for me. I think, I think what you'd like to have um, is a guy that's going
1: to command a double team. And believe it or not, I think a guy that might command a double team might be Stanley McKenzie. Yeah. I, I think he's going to be terrific for them. And, and Luke Beckett, I mean, they're going to be solid. The depth is there. A lot of them, the young guys like Keely Calhoun, Derek Wilkins is, I mean, he's shown up big time, I and mean, he's a big dude. He's 6'5", and what, 265, something like that. So he's going to he's gonna play. I think uh, Saunders is going to play as well. Uh, he's a guy that I think they were counting on last year, Ethan Saunders, that they wanted him to play last year, but then he got hurt and didn't play. Uh, he he looks the part, okay? he He is a big, fast, mobile guy, and I think he's one of my breakout stars of the year. I, I really think he's going to show up. Uh, but I think Stanley McKenzie and hopefully Ricky Correa will be able to stay healthy. He's trimmed himself down a little bit. Um, he can actually get on a scale uh, these days and uh, about 350, 355. <laughs> they're, they're, they're bigger at nose tackle than they have been. I, well, I can't remember. A lot of guys, I guess, Palmer probably fit that, that category. But these guys are big people that can run. So I've, I like the defensive line. And the question is, can, can one of those guys be the guy that commands the double team? And that, that's why I like Stanley McKenzie, uh, because I think he's got a lot of the characteristics in the middle where you better pay attention to him. He's going to get some push in the interior.
0: Right, and if, and if you command that double team, what you do is you take away counter, you take away power, right? All those down blocks yeah. where you're bringing tugs, you're bringing you know, uh, guards and centers together to kind of push that gap scheme running game. If you can command those double teams in that gap scheme running game, or in the zone with a dual play, then, then all of a sudden, you've created real problems for offenses because they can't run the football. So take me to linebackers now. Well, oh, the wait, outside. Wait, On defensive line, I'm going to cut you off. We keep not mentioning J.H. Tevis, who's a guy who's got experience, right. who's been there, right? He, he's a guy who's been really good. He's a starter going into the season, so I don't want to leave him out. He's a guy that helps, that is solid up front, right, that brings depth.
2: Yeah, and like Jaden Roberts, too. And
0: Jaden Roberts yes, is another J. guy. Roberts, 70, yeah.
1: yeah, 75. He's, he's going to have a... Uh, a big role as well. Linebackers, the outside linebackers, Coach <clears throat> Wilcox was saying the other day that he felt not only was that uh, position loaded with talent, but it probably had the best depth of any position on the squad, quality depth. You're looking at Camp, Good, all-star candidates, right? Potential NFL guy. Phenomenal, yeah. Coy Dang, who's, uh, you know, Mr. Gadget with the long arms moves from inside to the outside where he's probably better suited uh, rather than taking guys straight on. He can use his length, his athleticism, uh, hopefully hopefully knocks down some passes as well. I think he's better suited at outside line. Those two guys, I mean, they're as good as, as we have in the league at those two positions when you put them together. Then it's the inside, like Jim was mentioning, you've got some young guys. Tattersall, of course, you know, had the concussion a couple of years ago. Um but he that was a big his, one. That, was, that was scary. Yeah, I remember that one. That, that was my, really boy. scary. I mean you got you got an ear hold and that was that was an mm-hmm. ugly situation. They had to cart him off the field. Um I Highly recruited. Jim knows more about recruiting than I do, but Isaiah was a guy that a lot of big-time programs wanted. Kid from Hawaii, and but behind him, yeah, you got some unknown factors. So that's probably the one area where there's a little concern defensively, depth-wise, uh, is the inside line linebacker position. But outside, you got you know um, Oren Patu. His dad played with uh, Justin Wilcox and Peter Sermon at Oregon. Pass rusher, uh, long, lean, good speed. Um, good hand
0: movement. So uh, I I think they're well fortified at the outside spots. And his dad was also a superstar in the arena football league and ended up playing for my former head coach, Mike Daly. He won some championships up in Colorado. Fantastic dude. I got to see him a couple of times at the Sacramento state camp this year. And at Cal's camp, talk to him, just a fantastic football heritage in that family too, for Patu. So really good, Jim, you, you do know a lot more about recruiting. You know, you and I have talked about this. Like I, I, I'm I'm cool with recruiting, but I want to see what they do when they hit the field, right? I've seen guys that are super five star guys come in and, and never quite get it done. I want to see what they do when they hit the field. Talk to us about some of the younger guys that linebacker position that you've seen come through.
2: Well, it's interesting because um, some of the the depth at linebacker are guys that weren't recruited for linebacker. Uh, well, their their position that they are right now, I should say. Trey Pastor mm-hmm. is a guy that. <clears throat> has been flashing a lot, and he's second team inside linebacker right now. He's beefed up to 225, probably pushing 230, and he brings a lot of athleticism to the role. He's doing, doing really well. Um, he came in as a highly touted safety. Miles um, Jernigan is a guy that was a, a good edge rusher at uh, outside linebacker, and they moved him to inside, so he's providing some depth and athleticism there. It'll be a matter of how fast he picks up the playbook, I think. He's probably still a little bit light. He came in super light. He's gained some good weight. He still needs probably a little bit more. And Nate Richenna, is a guy that was all everything at Monte Vista. He played DB, he played receiver, he played tight end, he played some linebacker. They moved him up to inside linebacker, and he flashed immediately. He came in uh, as a gray shirt in the in the the spring, and he he made some good plays right away in the spring, and he showed out all all fall camp too. So he's a guy that. I think if he sees the field, um, he's gonna bring some some nice athleticism to the, the position too. Still a little bit light. Yeah, and, and I,
0: I actually coached Richina when he was a when he was a freshman at Monta Vista a little oh, bit. wow! Um, yeah, he played with my son on that team. And so I would go and help out and coach that team a little bit. And he was did a he dominate? one. He went like he came in, they're like JV, you know, he never even yeah. played freshman football, JV, and then he did absolutely everything. So I got to watch his career at Monta Vista. Great kid, great family, uh, fantastic football player. He knows both sides of the ball. And I just think that's such an asset for a kid. That when they come in, they've played offense like a lot and understand offense. And he played for Craig Bergman, who was a fantastic high school coach who's now retired. But he, so he understood that system and then ended up playing for Matt Russi, another Cal guy, and so and, and had a lot of good coaching. Thomas Deku coached him when he was there, right? Wilkerson, for, David Wilkerson, former Cal linebacker, coached him a little bit while he was there. So he's had some really good coaching in high school too. That kid's going to be a football player. So let's move on to defensive back. Now we're talking about guys. Cal has had a history of fantastic defensive backs in the Justin Wilcox era, right? They've had a team that kind of stayed together for the majority of it last year being the scrimmage season. They broke up a little bit, so we're not going to count that one, but let's talk about the guys that we've got coming back this year. Todd, Josh Drayden takes the red shirt year, super team player. Like you and I talked about this when it happened and this kid is selfless to be able to just say in my senior year, I'm gonna take that red shirt year and sit it out one more year to get you know a shot, and get a look. That's pretty selfless, I think. And and it's and it's not egocentric. You got Elijah Hicks coming back. Obviously, you lose Woodson, who gives you a loss of depth at that position mm-hmm. uh going into the season. Uh, but you also have Woody coming in, a guy who was a transfer from Florida State, and uh Chagozi Anusium, who is a really good athletic, tall, good-looking player, has yet to develop into that guy. But give me your thoughts on that secondary, kind of what you think uh, in terms of what they're going to look like, how they're going to play, what we can expect from that secondary.
1: Well, you've got a couple of guys that still remember the moniker, the takers, right? Josh Drain was on that team. Uh, you look at Elijah Hicks was part of that group as well. A really good secondary with Ashton Davis, Hawkins, et cetera. So I, I think when you look at the first four, they've played a lot of football or enough football that we know a little bit about them. Anusium at one corner. Josh Drayden at the other corner. You mentioned his unselfishness. You know, two years ago, he could have, he could have finished his career out. Okay. And he decided, and they decided that, you know what, we're kind of in a good position with Camp Bynum and Hicks at the corners. Um, so you're not going to get maybe as much playing time as you would like. And he was, he said, you know what, I'm fine. I'll come back. Last year was to have been his final year, but COVID took care of that. So He's a proven performer. He he likes to hit. I like him a lot. He's a great kid. Um, Hicks, former Notre Dame commit, then committed to Cal and stuck through that commitment when Sonny Dykes left before Josh was hired. So he's a proven commodity as well. They've moved him to safety from corner. So, you know, he can cover. Daniel Scott has picked up playing time as the years have gone on. I like him. He uh, sat out a little bit of the early part of fall camp this year. Um, So, and the other guy is uh, Colin Gamble. Uh, a corner, he could play nickel as well. He and Drayden kind of share the same responsibilities in some regards. So I think those five are solid. And then you've got Woody, the transfer from Florida State, as you mentioned. He's had a good camp as well, as as, as long with uh, Miles Williams. So I think they feel really good about six. And then you get into, as Jim talked about, the young guys haven't been on the field. Hearns from De La Salle is, He's shown flashes in camp. He's going to be a really good player once he gets a little more physical Uh, He's a little um, undersized right now. So I think they've recruited pretty well there. Um, And it's a matter of staying healthy. In this league, you've got to have probably seven or eight guys that can play because you're going to play nickel a lot, you know, in the teams that we see in our league. So I I think they feel pretty good about the the starting quintet, the starting five, and maybe two more. And then can we see if – is there a number
0: eight, a number nine guy if somebody goes down? Well, and, and you make a great point. Because we talked about linebackers and depth at linebacker. But you in, in the Pac-12, you're going to be playing nickel 70% of the time, at least. And so when you have the linebackers that you have, young linebackers, you're going to be able to swap out that middle guy because Coin Dang also has – some history as a middle linebacker right so now you can keep coin dang on the field you can keep cam good on the field and you can go with the single middle linebacker play that nickel scheme behind him, and move guys around And so you become multiple on defense because of the talent you have at that linebacker position but you have to have like you said at least seven cats in that secondary who can cover conceivably as a quarterback i used to call it looking for the fish right you always try to find the fish (laughs) and when you find him you pick on that cat and and, (laughs) Teams nowadays, they play so much that three match that ends up becoming cover one. If you can find a fish, boy, you can you can make hay as a quarterback. I don't think Cal has a fish per se. We'll see who teams decide they want to pick on. Obviously, uh, when we had Cam Bynum, they threw away from Cam Bynum. And so Hicks got a lot of experience out there covering at the corner. But uh, I don't know that there's a fish. There's some big dudes outside. There's some guys that can cover. Josh Drayton's really good, a lot of experience. I think they're pretty good in that secondary. Let's switch over to offense now. I'm going to start off with Jim. And we're going to talk about... Uh, that tight end, or oh, we talked about the tight end position a little bit. Let's talk about running backs, Jim. Tell me what, we, what we're looking at, that stable of running backs.
2: I really like the fact that they have viable depth through six guys. Um, I don't think I've seen that before. We've seen higher end talent before when you have guys like like Forsett and Arrington and Lynch on the roster at the same time, but probably didn't go six deep. It's interesting coming into the season, how it's playing out for the starting role. Mm-hmm. Chris Brooks, formerly Chris Brown, is a guy that's started, seems like, for decades at Cal. Yeah, just Uh,
0: after I left, I think, is when he got there. Uh,
2: He's looked really good in in fall camp. He looks better than I've ever seen him before. Uh, Bigger, faster, stronger. And then we get the depth chart released, and you've got Damian Moore as the starter. Now, Damian's had a really good fall camp, too. But it makes me think that maybe uh, Chris Brooks is a little bit dinged up a little bit. Um, so maybe they want to divide the reps up a little bit more. Maybe more is healthier. It's hard to say because they're not going to give opposing teams any advantage to talk about, about health, but I do expect both of those guys to rotate a lot. And beyond that, um, Marcel Dancy is a super experienced backup had some really good games. He, he was the guy that saved the Cal UW win in the lightning game two years ago with two second half touchdowns and just amazing athletic touchdowns. Uh, you, you've got, Um, an interesting guy in the mix, probably most considered the number six guy is the fastest of the bunch. Austin Streddick, the guy who ran for over 3000 yards as a senior in Texas against good competition. And he's the fastest guy of the bunch. He's got some good wiggle. So I think twitch
0: to him too, boy, he puts that foot in the ground and he can get North and South.
2: I think they're going to find some situations where they, they can utilize him a few plays a game and, and, uh, whether it be a pass out of the backfield or putting him in space, whatever it is. And then Chris Street is a guy that's really talented. He came in with, with Damian, both highly touted running backs at the same time. He was dinged up last year, so we didn't see him too much in camp, but he's got a lot of talent too. And DeCarlos to Brooks, he's a guy that started off um, fall strong. He had a good spring, but he just got absolutely trucked by, um, by Butler, one of the young DBs, in a non-contact practice. So uh, Perfect.
0: Just yeah. what you're looking for.
2: Yeah. So he, he, he laid low for the last couple of weeks, but he's a guy that's, that's going to be in the mix too. I just don't know how many carries they have to go around with that bunch, but it's a good group.
0: Having depth at that running back position is important, right? Because of injuries we've seen with Chris Brooks over the last several years. He's just always got a Nick, always got a ding. I, I think that may be part of why Moore is on the top of that depth chart right now. I think the concern over a, maybe he's got something now. I don't know this. So I'm not saying it out, you know, something out loud. I know. I don't know this. Or maybe that concern for consistency, right? How do we keep it consistent within the team? My concern with having so much depth at that running back spot is that you don't give, you don't feed one guy enough to kind of get him going. If you think about the great teams, uh, especially at Cal over the you know, last three decades, it was a two-back system. You had, when I was there, it was Anthony Wallace, Russell White. The next year it was Russell White, Lindsey Chapman. So two backs, one guy gets going, you kind of feed that guy the ball through Jeff Tedford era, you think about, you know, Marshawn Lynch's job at best, right? And you can go down the list. You can talk about Justin Forsett. You can, I mean, how many different running backs did he have? Fantastic running backs. And so it was always kind of a two back system. And so having four guys, does that create an issue in that backfield in terms of kind of taking away from the chemistry? And that's always a big thing for me is what kind of chemistry are you building on this team? How, how are you improving chemistry? And I think that having that many guys can be a concern unless they handle it properly. And that's going to be a big key in that room, uh, you know, is to make sure that they're handling that properly. Todd, talk to me about receivers this year's receivers to me uh, seem to have a huge upside potential.
1: Again, I don't know as of today that there is one guy that you're going to lean on. You know, there's not a Deshaun Jackson per se, or, you know, or the Dawkins, you know, there's not the one guy, but I like the depth there. Nico in the slot, Nico Remigio, he's proven himself. We know what he can do. Uh, he's, he's, he's a powerful young man at his size. He's really strong. When you look yeah. at his legs and his arms, he's really strong. So he's the, like a the perfect slot receiver. And then on the outside, you know, Trayvon Clark uh, has shown some things. He had the great catch two years ago in the big game down on the sideline and set up the touchdown by Garbers. Um, but he hasn't been consistent. He hasn't um, been healthy. I mean, there's been some other issues as well. Um, Keikoa Crawford, also a senior. So you got the three seniors, okay? They're kind of the heart and soul there. Um, Crawford needs to stay healthy. Uh, That's been a concern. But, and Jim, again, with the recruiting, has seen these guys on tape. Some of these young guys are borderline spectacular and have tremendous upside. You look at Jeremiah Hunter, I mean, he just oozes potential and talent. Uh, he, Michael Sturdivant, another guy, oozes potential. Both those guys have size as well. And speaking of size, Aiden Lee, when's the last time you saw a 235-pound wide receiver? So the depth there is young and unproven, um, but it certainly has an upside. And, and a guy that I'm kind of interested to see how they're going to use, and Jim, I'd like to get your thoughts on it because you watch his high school tape a lot, Justin Richard Baker. He's kind of a scat-back, smaller guy in stature, but has quickness. He's got speed, good hands. I'm kind of interested to see how they're going to use him this year.
2: Yeah, they definitely will have him in the mix, put him in space whenever possible. He's one of those guys with a real instinct for the game that just knows how to get it done. I went to his game, his, his opening game in the the Seahawks stadium when Cal played up at UW two years ago, and he, he he had a bookend game. He started off the game with a kick return for a touchdown, and he ended up the game with a flying Superman catch in the end zone for the game-winning <laughs> touchdown. He's just a guy that does it all, and he has great instincts. He's, he's a guy like Remigio, where he's a little on the shorter side, but super strong and and super fast. He's a fast twitch guy. Another guy I really like, who's a totally different body type, is Tommy Christakos. Mm-hmm. He was kind of what some recruiting fans considered on the bottom of the the 2020 receiving recruiting class, but he is not, he is a guy that gets it done. And at first the thought was, well, maybe he could be a a good red zone weapon. He's tall. He can top shelf it in the the corner of the end zone. And sure. That's, that's the case. But if you watch him in camp, he had two 40 yard completions in tight coverage down the sideline too. He's an athletic guy and he's going to be a mismatch for a lot of DBs out there with his six, four size. So I love the depth in this, this receiving room. It's a matter of, of how consistent the younger guys can be. And even a, another young guy, Maven Anderson from the 21 class, he's showed really well in, class, in camp too. J. Michael Sturtevant had some injury issues later on, so Maven had a chance to step in and get some of those reps. And he's flashed a lot too. And he's, he's a workout warrior. He's a guy that's just ripped, and he's going to give it everything he has. And uh, he's got a lot of athleticism. The, the, the thing that I would add too is – is Burl Toller has done a great job of creating a deep wide receiver room that have all kinds of different skill sets to present matchup difficulties for defenses. And I, I, I love the way they combine height and athleticism and size. And there's just so many different things you could do with that group. So I'm excited to see what they can do.
0: And Burl Toller, you mentioned one of my favorite Cal guys. He is, he's the third actually, but he's just, I mean, fantastic dude, uh, great coach, like, and the chemistry in that room, he really loves the chemistry that he's built in that room. And so that means a lot. If you get a guy like Burl Toller, such a high character guy that loves the chemistry he's built in that receiver room. Uh, he's got some leaders on that team. We talked about Nico Remigio, a big time leader for this offense. Uh, that's huge to have those guys kind of all be on the same page. Usually you think of those receivers as selfish guys. They always want the rock. You know, they always want to get fed. Those are the guys you hear about in the NFL always causing problems, right? Because they're not getting enough balls. But that receiver room, I think, is is very solid. The chemistry's there. Burl Burl Toler's done a great job coaching those guys. Let's get to the offensive line, right? This is where everything centers around, for me, in football, is the offensive line. You have to have the big guys up front. We talked early about the injury issue. Mike Sefell, you know, retired out, medical retirement out. Uh, And so you lose him. You lose Melo. It's another guy, General Williams, another guy you – know, and General Williams has been slated to be a starter for years now, um, and it just never quite turned out for him the way that he had hoped it would. So you end up with five new guys. You talked to Coach yesterday. He, he think they're really happy with the top seven guys there. If you can have seven guys in an offensive line that you feel very consistent with, very good about, then you're in good shape. Um, let's talk through that offensive line kind of strengths and weaknesses. I'm going to start with strength, left tackle, Hollywood, Will Craig. I call him that because I came to a Cal camp this summer. He was wearing the aviator sunglasses, wearing the sleeveless t-shirt, but he looked absolutely jacked. Like he, he was body by Brian Johnson. You know, they brought in a new strength and conditioning coach this year in Brian Johnson, just fantastic. Had him on the podcast talking about, you know, building a program and, and building that character, the chemistry on a team, uh, the accountability. Will Craig has obviously become accountable, been a guy who has put the work in the off season. He looks fantastic, and I think this whole O-line group as a whole has gotten bigger, stronger, faster in the offseason. Will Craig's going to be a fantastic left tackle, athletic, strong, big, very good, skilled footwork. So I think he's a great guy to start with at left tackle. Todd, take me through uh, offensive line and kind of the guys that you like up there.
1: Well, I'm going to add I think Will Craig is the one irreplaceable part as well. I think think he's talented. I don't know that they have anybody else on the roster that is – that's got his talent level that can play left tackle. Um, So I think he's the most important guy. He's the guy that has to stay healthy. All the other guys are interchangeable to some extent. I think Uh, Sindrick can play, you know, guard or center. Has gotten a lot of snaps at center. Uh, Daltoso I think he's played every position on the offensive line multiple times. So he like he's devol- been
0: here forever as well, right? Deltoso, he, he, he has, transferred, yes. But he, it feels like he has been here since like 1964 playing for the Bears. I've been calling his name for so many years now.
1: And, and while we're talking about offensive line, congratulations to Jay Curran for making a 53-man roster with the yes. Seahawks as well. So we want to get that in. And he and Deltoso are like, uh, you know, bosom buddies. Um so, so, that versatility exists in the middle. Ben Coleman is an intriguing young player to me because, in my estimation, he is the prototypical future offensive lineman for the Bears in that he is a big dude. He is vocal. Uh, even though he's a young guy, he might be the ringleader vocally with that group, according to a, a couple of the players on the roster. Um, he's got the versatility, he can move out to tackle. He can play on the interior, but and and I think he's big, he's mobile, he's uh, agile, and I believe he's got a little hostile in him too, which is exactly what you're looking for. So I think that that five uh, is probably good. And McCade, uh, McCade is another guy that's nasty. I mean, yeah. when he first came in, he would hit you. It might might not be the right guy uh, in the scheme, but he would hit you, and he enjoys that that contact. And so I think that starting group is pretty good. Um, You know, some of the young guys will have to see how they shake out. But some of the young guys also got thrown into the fire last year. When you think of the Oregon State game and then even the Stanford game, and I thought performed admirably when they got the opportunity. So I I think they've got seven for sure. Uh, Maybe eight. We'll see if Swinney can come along, how he'll develop. You know, Johnson is another big, big guy. I mean, the size of this offensive line, Jim, when you you look at the guys they brought in recently – they're all six five, six six, six seven. They got a commitment from a guy that's six eight. Uh, they have really gone out of their way to get bigger uh, bodies that have some agility as well.
2: Yeah, They're they've done start a good job with taller that. quarterbacks. That's the problem. Like you're gonna, <laughs> you,
0: get, you get those six eight cats up there, it's hard to see over that line. You know, you're trying to look downfield. That makes it tough.
2: The uh, the guys that I would look to for for depth are uh, Braden Rome, who is a guy that. I don't know if it's Rome or Romy. I hear it pronounced both ways by the coaches. Uh, he's a guy that's probably talented enough to start at one of the tackle positions. And then Brian Driscoll is a guy that uh, that did step in. Todd was mentioning some of the young guys stepping in, and he's a, a guy that many thought would start at center. But Ben Coleman has been so good at this camp that they have to get him in the starting rotation. So he's in at left guard, and uh, they move Sindrick over to center to start the season. Um, if there's an injury to Craig... Uh, Coleman did really well at left tackle during camp. And I think they feel comfortable switching him over there, bringing um, Sendrick back to left guard and putting Driscoll in at center. So they've got some position flexibility there. Um, Yeah. The the question I think is beyond those seven is Everett Johnson ready yet. He's had a couple years in the program. He's gotten bigger and stronger. Swinney is a guy that came in in the spring and he's big. He he plays multiple positions. So maybe he's going to be ready to, to kick in a little bit. So they're, there's some good long-term depth, short-term, really two or three behind the starters.
0: And, and like you said, Driscoll filled in last year. He played well last year. It's funny, when you listen to Angus McClure, offensive line coach, talk about the offensive line, you you can hear, right? You have to listen for that subtext in his voice. He really likes Sendrick. Um he, he talks about him in terms of the way he plays the game, how smart he is, how hard he works, right? That's I think I think Sindo is the feel good guy on that offensive line that has just continued to earn respect and playing time. I talk about it. We did a donor event on Zoom last year, and uh, Angus put on a film of Sindo running one of Oregon's linebackers up into the stands. Like he blocked this dude for like 40 plus yards, ran him out of bounds. Like deep out of bounds. And so it was a nasty play. He's got a lot of nasty in him. Todd, I agree with you. Metauer is a kid who came on campus. You know, the old saying, if a puppy doesn't bite when they're young, they won't bite when they're old. Well, I mean, Metauer came onto campus biting everybody. Maybe it was a wrong dude, but he was definitely biting. He was a tough kid coming in. And so it brings that Texas mentality. If they can center him down and get his technical play correct. He's been a head heavy guy. He kind of, he'll miss blocks because of his technique. If they get him technically correct, He can be a really good football player at that guard spot. And so I think the offensive line – go ahead. I hate to
1: interrupt you, but I want to talk about McCabe. But uh, Luke Beckett thought that he might be the most improved offensive lineman they have in that room because he has gotten better in technique. And and in talking to um, the the offensive lineman a couple of weeks ago, uh, they were mentioning about the fact that he now can work in conjunction with the right tackle, Deltoso, and the center – whereas before they had a little problem communicating. Now they've they've resolved that. And Daltoso has been raving about the communication that he and McCade have on that right side. And that that only bodes well for both of those guys.
0: Oh, without a doubt. You put yourself out there on Hour Island and all of a sudden you're in trouble. But once you can start communicating, (laughs) right? And it's so key in, in terms of run blocking, pass blocking with everything that defenses do now. They're always trying to, kind of get to get you to lose a guy in protection by you know simulating blitzes by giving you different looks by running stunts up front if you can't communicate past that stuff off you get yourself in trouble and so if he's doing that now if he if he is up to the task of doing that stuff he's always been physically good enough but the mental part of the game the technical part of the game is what's needed to come along for him that'll be a huge bonus for that offensive line all right we're going to finish at the at the position right the quarterback position um, I'm going to, I'm going to back clean up on this one, obviously having played the position, but talk to me about quarterback, your impressions of chase now going into his senior year, right? Is a big year for him. Uh, Todd, kick us off.
1: Well, he's looked good in practice this fall. He's, he's got great spin on the ball. It, it looks like he's making some reads that are correct. Uh, he's got the ability to run with his legs. He leads the team in NIL name, image and likeness. I mean, he's got like four or five sponsorships already. Good for him. He's got, you know, sports drinks and clothing. And um, I think he might've had another one yesterday. So he's, he's on top of things. He's a sharp kid, but it has to translate to the game. And that that's where he has been inconsistent. We have seen flashes of brilliance. I mean, that game at Old Miss, I mean, it was just brilliant. And you thought, well, here he goes. And then of course, Arizona State rolls around. He gets hurt and, it comes back and played really well at the end of the year in those last three games. So he showed in 2019 that he's capable of doing it last year. There were just a lot of things going on last year with the offensive line and not getting good practices, this, that, and the other, um, you know, ifs, ands, and buts can be, you know, candies and nuts, but he's got to perform well because there's a, I think there's a, at least watching practice is a significant drop off between him and everybody else. So he's got to stay healthy. And when he's been healthy, he's won games. And so, As he goes, as you know, as he goes, the team goes. And I think he's going to have a really good year. And I'm excited to watch him Saturday against Nevada. Jim, your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I like Arbers too. He's taken a lot of heat from the fans because he had a, a rough year last year. But there were a lot of things at play there that I don't think people really acknowledge, maybe on the surface level. but. He had some real challenges there. The offensive line wasn't there a lot of camp because of COVID protocol and during the the four game season. And then when they were there, the defensive line wasn't there quite a bit. So they weren't able to block against anybody or have real practices. And you, on top of that, he's trying to learn a new West coast offense from Bill Musgrave. So you know, it, it was a really difficult situation. Now, granted, he didn't, didn't play very well. He didn't play to his capabilities. He played much better the year before. But now that he's had a year in the system, the offensive line's pretty deep. They've had continuity in practices. He had a good spring, and he's had a good fall. The, the staff raved about him at the, the last press conference. So uh, I expect to see big things about from him. I don't know that he'll be a top three quarterback, but I think he'll be pushing that group. And if you get that kind of performance from him and pretty good health, I think that the sky's the limit for this team.
0: So so I'll kind of close this off on the quarterback spot. Is, as a quarterback, right, as a coach, as a guy who's around the game all the time, who studies game film, who does all of that, I, about 95% of the time, I know what the right read is. I know what the right kind of execution of the play is. Uh, I, I liken Chase Garber's, in terms of style, right, it's, it's a big stretch, but in terms of style, to Steve Young. Steve Young was so athletic, so gifted, could clearly play the position, but he was so fast and and so elusive that immediately he would kind of snap out of that passer mode and into the runner mode. And it didn't allow him to play the position like he could really play it. Todd, you mentioned Ole Miss. At Ole Miss, they played off man. And so that off man gives you clean reads right away. And when Chase had his clean reads and settled into that pocket, boy, he was really good. He was dynamite. And so, the trick for Chase this year is going to get into that settled in in the pocket. He's had enough experience playing the position to make it happen. He's going to have to take some of the pressure off his own shoulders. I think Coach Musgrave will do that by calling a lot of run game, by giving him play action stuff. But if he takes some of that pressure off of him and make it more like a practice experience, you watch Chase in practice, boy, and he's lights out. I think if you make it like a practice experience for him and let him settle into that pocket, he's been really good. He's still young. I mean, He's, he's just a baby. I, I think about my career, I played till I was 31 years old. And so you watch these young college quarterbacks who, who can be really good. They're still really young. And so if Chase can settle into that mold, I think he can be a very, very effective quarterback in this offense. The, last year doesn't count to me because a Cal's whole team was never really together. They just had a new offense. If you look around the PAC 12, Washington, Oregon, Washington state, Cal all had new offensive coordinators last year none of those offenses were very good, quite honestly. They, they all kind of sputtered. Because of the way that they had to install with Zoom in the offseason, none of those offenses were great. And so I think getting that extra year in the system, understanding it now, is going to help Chase a lot. I like him. I wish for his success. I tell him all the time. He has a chance of upsetting my record of you know winning as quarterback in the modern era. And so I hope he does that this year as a Cal guy. I'm always team first. I want to see Cal win. But I think that if he settles in and plays from the pocket first – right? Make plays when you have to make plays. Don't make plays when you don't need to. Go through your progressions, make your reads, hit your passes, be efficient in the pocket. I think Chase has a really good chance of doing something special this year. Predictions for the season. Jim, I want to know your predictions. In the Pac-12, what do you got for me?
2: I am expecting seven and two and pushing Oregon for the Pac-12 North title.
0: Outstanding. Todd?
1: Yeah, I think if uh, we had had last year's schedule, I might predict the Bears to win the North Division because the Washington-Oregon uh, games in particular uh, would have been at home. Now you got to yeah, go the on house, the road. Right? Yeah, that's a little more challenging. So I'm going to go with six and three in that regard in the conference because of, of the road schedule. Um, I, I just think it, it's tough to, to – At Washington, did it two years ago. Maybe if we have another lightning game, we'll we'll get a break there. Oregon's tough, although they've played Oregon tough the last couple of years. Could have won the last two games. Uh, I just think the road schedule is difficult. So I'm going to go with six and three. And I I think they're going to win all three of the non-league games. Although I will say this. I don't think any one of those non-league games is a patsy. I I think all three of those games are going to be challenging. Nevada, great offense. At TCU, great defense, and Sacramento State with Troy Taylor. Now they didn't Troy play at all. They didn't play it all last year. Okay, but two years ago, they—I uh, think they—they they won the league, didn't they? Or tied for the league championship. Yeah, they won and the league. So, yeah, Troy they won got, the Troy league. Got coach
0: of the year. He was coaching coach of the national year. National
1: coach of the year. So I don't think there's any gimmies in the schedule, but uh, I say six and three in the league.
0: Yeah, and Troy Taylor and that Sac State team are, are the sneaker on you, boy. Troy yeah, Taylor, they I mean, are. I got, to, I got to sit in with him this offseason, this whole summer, and we talked offensive football. You know, Troy's my guy, I, yeah, and your guy too, right? Former yeah. broadcaster with us, and he was my quarterback, you know, when I was his backup. And so just a fantastic human being. He does a great job with that team. So Sac State can be sneaky and very scary. They shouldn't have the talent, right, that Cal has, but Troy Taylor's a pretty sharp dude. Uh, And they're going to play hard for him because he teaches, he he just builds great chemistry on teams. And so I I think you're right. I think the the off seasons or the out of conference schedule is a pretty tough slate. I, I think that Cal should win that out of conference slate, right? They should win all three. I agree with you. TCU on the road is tough. I think very tough. Nevada is great on offense, but Cal's strength should be on defense and in the secondary and pass rush this year with what they have at that outside linebacker position. So I think they can win that Nevada game. Uh, but it's going to be a struggle. And then uh, in conference, you have to pick, you know, if you are looking the Pac-12 North, you have to pick who in the North, you know, if you're going to go seven and two or six and three, who do they beat in the North? I think Washington is not, I think they're talented. Don't get me wrong. I think they're very talented. I just don't know that Jimmy Lake brings that same spark that Chris Peterson brought to that team. I just think they're different when I watch them on film than they were before. And again, you know, you get a pandemic year, it's tough. But we'll see what Washington looks like. Oregon's going to be tough at their place. Deruder coming in as a defensive coordinator, boy, he is really, really good. And he has a, a toolbox to work with up there of some fantastic athletes. So he's going to do some stuff on defense. Uh, and then, you know, the big game, I think, is, is obviously always tough. You're going to play five tight ends at a time, at, at times against them, right? Some smash-mouth football. And so that's a tough one. I'm going to go right in between you guys. I'm going to go six and three, seven and two, somewhere in, in that range. I think if they knock off Washington, they go seven and two. Mm-hmm. I think if I would they, agree with that. I think, I think if they don't, it's a six and three. Um, and, and so that's a big one. I, I think they upset SC this year. You know, I agree with gonna, you. Yeah, that's going to be a big game. SC is going to be favored. I think they upset SC this year. I think it's a big one. We saw UCLA play one game. Um, we don't know exactly what they're about. They're playing Hawaii. They run the ball extremely well. They look like they played fast and hard. Chip Kelly's a good coach, but they have not been very good down there. As long as Dorian Thompson Robinson is your quarterback, you give yourself a chance to lose. So I just (laughs) think you you just do. I mean, he, he look at how he played the opening game against Hawaii, right? You just, he's got special talent and he probably looks phenomenal in practice, but he gets in game and he panics and he'll turn the ball over and he'll do silly things. And so I just think that, that, you know, I don't know that he finishes the season as their starter. Maybe he will. But I think, I think Cal has a chance of, of doing a lot this year. I think a nine-win season is very possible for the Bears this year.
1: We could have Garbers versus Garbers in that final game of the year, right? If, yeah, if you're could. convinced Dorian Thompson-Robinson might not last the season. You know, Ethan, just, Ethan started at Washington, and he transferred to, to UCLA, so uh, and he got some playing time.
0: Last yeah, and well. Chase Griffith looked good last year for him when he, he came did. in backup for you. Probably UCLA. should have
1: probably should have beaten Oregon in Eugene. Oh, I mean, should have they, beaten they, Oregon. They, they they screwed that one up. They should have won that game.
0: Yeah, that was a clock management issue and that was a play calling issue at the end. It was it was bad. They yep. should have won that game. I agree. Well, well the, I appreciate yeah, the, you guys. I
1: appreciate the you guys coming on with the first half. me. Half.
0: Sorry, Mike. Oh no problem. Appreciate you guys coming on with me. It's always awesome talking Bears football. That is our kind of Cal Bear preview, and you are not going to get more insight unless you're talking directly with the coaches on this one with the three of us on this call. Uh, I I appreciate everybody watching. Appreciate you guys coming on. I'm looking forward to the season this
2: year. Go Bears. Go Bears.
0: So that's a look at your Cal Bears 2021. Some predictions in there. And predictions are just that. We don't know what the future holds. Injuries have a lot to do with it. How fast some of the younger players come along has a lot to do with it. Injuries at other schools have a lot to do with it. Weather may have something to do with it. And so we're going to see how it turns out for the Bears this year. High hopes, as always in Berkeley, in Memorial Stadium. We always have high hopes for our Bears. We wish them the best. We're looking forward to a great season. I know I am looking forward to calling uh, this season, 2021, just kind of refreshing my soul from what happened last season. I know we're all looking forward to getting back in the stadium and, of course, working with Todd McKim and Jim. Uh, appreciate them coming on. They are great. Todd is an awesome partner. We have so much fun on the roads. We're going to have to let you inside the radio booth at some time this year because working with Joe Starkey, who's a legend, one of my favorite people on earth, uh, and Todd and I just have a great time every broadcast. It has been great for you guys to join me here today. I really appreciate you uh, listening to these. Reach out, leave us comments. I'll respond to some of the comments uh, down below. Make sure that you are, um, that you're, of this process right we'd love to know what you'd like to know about cal football i would love to give it to you also if you want more nitty-gritty like into football x's and o's you can always check out my youtube channel which is elite athletes tv i do the quarterback stuff there we talk about coverage and scheme and all kinds of stuff about football that's a little too granular to get onto the ultimate insider podcast but if you love football if you want to really learn the game remember elite athletes tv you can get me here on youtube Uh, Find me there, and I will teach you a lot about the game of football from a quarterback's perspective and an X's and O's perspective. As always, appreciate you joining me here for the Ultimate Insider. Love talking Cal football. I am looking forward to the season. As I said at the Open, I am geeked up, ready to go for 2021 college football. It is the best time of year. It's going to be awesome. Thanks for joining me, and as always, go Bears. (laughs) Go Bears.